0: Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the podcast where I share the inspiring stories of diverse leaders bringing equity to financial systems through fintech. I'm Nicole Kasperson. Today, I'm talking with Tracy Schroeder, VP of Strategy and Growth at Main Street. This is such a gem of a conversation. In this episode, we talk about why small business owners need financial tools and education and how that onus is on us as a fintech industry to provide those services. We talk about the ways that we can build a more empathetic fintech industry, which will lead to better connections with our customers. And we also give some great pieces of advice for folks looking to enter the fintech space, i.e., my fintech curious audience out there, so this is a must listen episode. And we're also getting into the art of gratitude and the simplicity of yet effective way of saying thank you. I hope you enjoy this episode with Tracy Schroeder. Tracy, thank you so much for joining Humans of FinTech. I am so happy to have you on the show. How are you doing today?
1: Great. So happy to be here. Um, Happy to be on the show. Happy to be joining you today. Coming in, you know, live from Florida with the weather right now. So it's crazy
0: and what a perfect environment to talk about fintech. <laughs> <laughs> what what environment isn't perfect to talk about fintech at, in I this agree. day and age? Because I'm at a place now where I'm being asked about fintech, even when I go to bars or parties or like social gatherings. It's uh, kind of a wild thing. But fingers crossed that the weather is good to us as we embark on this next 30-minute conversation. <laughs> to start, I love opening up these talks with learning a bit about The way that your background has influenced your career, and how you became a part or chose to become a part about uh, of the fintech industry. So, let's just start there. You know, help connect the dots for us. I think often guests say like, "You don't like dream of going into fintech." I think that's a fair
1: assessment. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's funny. When I was younger, I always wanted to be a veterinarian. I just have always loved animals and. I've preferred them sometimes to people. And so I always thought I wanted to be a veterinarian and, you know, dreams change for when we're four and five. And so um, I kind of started my journey in business in finance. And then I jumped into oil and gas. And then I went back to business school. Then I went into very traditional manufacturing and I thought, man, I'm just a part of all of these slow moving industries. I really would like to jump somewhere that moves really fast because I've always just been running and I thought fintech, fintech moves fast and urgency is a value that fintech companies look for and they look for people that are willing to sprint. And it felt like home
0: the minute I landed. That's so interesting. Well, given that you wanted to join an industry that moves fast, you have found your place. What year did you enter the fintech space? Because I also feel like that has something to do with the quickness, right? So I've only been in fintech now for like two
1: years. So I'm at the tail end of that like growth at all costs kind of boom. And so it was the perfect time to join. I joined a high growth startup um, that just came off a really strong series A, shout out Main Street. And Mm. they were looking to staff their team with people that just wanted to run and chase growth with everything inside of them. And it's just been a really good fit.
0: Is there like a a moment or story Uh, where you really felt that moment of sense of belonging that you kind of alluded to earlier?
1: I think the other big thing about fintech is it can kind of sometimes feel like a cool kids club until you're in it. It's always kind of this pedestal type industry that can kind of be hard to feel like you belong and try to jump into. And then the moment you're in, you just realize you're surrounded by people that are really passionate about solving the same issue that you joined the company to solve as well. And so I think my moment of belonging, as cliche as it sounds, was really my first day as I started to onboard and learn from my team that it's just a group of people that really want to work together to solve an interesting problem.
0: It's definitely why I continue to be a part of the fintech industry in my own unique storytelling way. So you're brand new to the space. You're like, fintech is it. It's got the speed I want. I find Main Street and it's like, how did that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How did that problem kind of resonate with you?
1: For those of you that don't know, Main Street is a company that really helps to connect startups and other growth-oriented small businesses that are U.S.-based with federal and state-level um, tax credits, and so. Really, the point of Main Street that really drove me here is that we're democratizing access to these tax credits that are really reserved normally for the large companies, the teams that have full in-house accountants or are hiring the big fours. And the mission statement of wanting to bring and help these small businesses across the U.S. discover that they were eligible for this type of tax credit really resonated with me. My family has small business owners in it. My parents um, at one point owned a plant nursery, about as small business, small as you can get. I spent my youth digging out weeds for punishment and playing in the mulch. And so really just that connection, even the name Main Street, right? It takes you back to like the Main Street of your hometown and the businesses when you close your eyes and you can see all those businesses, and now working for a company that's helping to bring access to capital that those owners didn't know existed it, it just really resonated with me from the start
0: well and now it makes a, a lot more sense knowing right that you have that that background of having connection right with the with the small business owner space with your own parents. Like a plant nursery <laughs> is pretty cool. Um yes. I kinda have like a I kind of have a, you're like, I guess I am not I am <laughs> scarred from having to pick up weeds <laughs> throughout my life. But I love fintech companies that help bring these finance tools to the smb space because one first of all these small business owners are the backbone of the American economy. And yet somehow they're still so largely underserved and I think there tends to be this like idea that oh well they're they're business owners like they maybe they should also already understand finance and like how it works and it's like no that onus isn't really on them they're just trying to you know pursue a passion or you know they're like a part of the passion economy it's really on us as like financial services or fintech right to connect to them and provide that service
1: I don't know if there are other industries that are like fintech in that sense. That we're identifying pain points of customers, and our customers just happen to be other businesses for the most part, for B two B anyways on the B two B side. And so it's just a really unique ecosystem.
0: Yeah. It was there ever a time, like growing up outside of being punished with pulling weeds <laughs> out of the ground, where you ever got a sense or like noticed that? the finance aspect of having a small business was challenging on your on your family?
1: I don't know if there was a specific pinpoint time outside of, you know, that you have to close your books, and you have to understand how to work payroll. And if you have an employee, you have to understand how you break their wages out and their taxes out. And you have to calculate everything really carefully. And so um, thankfully, my parents were able to lean on the expertise of their CPA. But that CPA wouldn't have existed then they would have had to figure it out on their own and the cool thing about fintech and the cool thing about main street is we're kind of bringing you a modern day CPA we're taking all of that tax credit knowledge and we're pinpointing a specific niche in the tax code and we're we found our area and we're taking those tax credits and we're spreading the knowledge around we're bringing that to companies and small businesses across the entire US and that part is really cool for me. My parents in the nursery side—I don't think they would have qualified for a large credit, but they definitely would have liked to know that they were available.
0: Bringing me to my next thought, and you alluded to it with talking about knowledge, right? And I think that's a huge piece of it. Is kind of back to what I was saying about the onus, right, being on us to to help, not only to bring them the tools, but to help them understand, you know, what these tools actually do and help them with that right well because typically sometimes our industry will be like oh well we can create one kind of product and then like throw it to (laughs) as many different businesses as we want and it'll be all good and they'll figure it out and it's like no they need to actually have an understanding of what like these financial tools do and what financial services is and I mean given our crappy financial education in this country I mean it's not like so crazy that you have to educate, you know, a a business owner on that. So I mean, how has that been filling that gap with Main Street?
1: Yeah, customer education is it probably should be its own department at multiple companies, right? And so right now, it kind of falls in between the teams of like marketing and product and customer success. But I think the education piece, especially around tax credits is man, is there anything more kind of nerve wracking than thinking about filing your taxes. It's something that's just even your personal taxes, let alone your business taxes, it can be really overwhelming. And it can feel like a really big beast of a problem. And so the customer education pieces, the stuff we've been able to spin out in terms of content, the two pagers just that are like, hey, when it says this, it means this. like don't worry. We have in-house CPAs that help us take the tax code and really translate it into terms you can understand without having to be a CPA yourself. And so sometimes it's even the language that can feel like you don't understand what you're reading. And so by focusing on customer education, that's easy to understand, walks you step-by-step through the process, educates you, not just to the ones that we serve on our platform, but hey, here are all these other tax credits that you might be eligible for. Go chat with your CPA. Go talk to someone about that. We really take a really broad swing at making sure that we're bringing every single piece of the tax credit puzzle to our business owners.
0: It needs to be holistic, right? And as you were saying that, I was thinking about even just when it comes to joining the fintech space, kind of back, going back to you and, and uh, how you joined, right? I think the question I get often from what I call the fintech curious uh, (laughs) folks. Yeah, like some of my audience who large, my audience is largely like fintech professionals and founders and investors and operators. But like there is like this new audience member of mine that asks me a lot of questions who are the fintech curious and they are always their top question is like, how much experience do I need to enter This is, yeah. I know you're laughing because it's almost like when you're in it, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of a funny question because it's like, none. Yeah. None. Yeah. You need any. <laughs> how did you like figure that out? <laughs> I think it goes back to your
1: topic or question earlier that we were just talking about of like feeling, when was your sense of belonging and talking about how it can feel like it's a cool kids club. It's really not. I mean, we all have really cool solutions to some really cool problems, but you just got to show up, right? You've just got to be willing to take a chance on yourself and bring that toolkit and those skills that you've developed in any industry and bring those you know, winning frameworks and attitude into the fintech company that you want to jump into. I really do firmly believe that there are so many skills that are industry agnostic. And as long as you show up with the right attitude and the willingness to learn, anyone can survive in fintech.
0: Totally agree. And, you know, you don't necessarily need a finance background or degree. You don't need a technology background or degree. You don't need to be an engineer. There's so many other kinds of roles that you can do to work in fintech. And, I mean, not surprisingly, the questions I usually get that from are, are women, right? Largely in my Instagram DMs or my Twitter DMs or my, you know, responses to my to my newsletter. So, I mean, would you tailor advice to... To the girl in my DMs, that's like, I want to make the switch, but I don't know. I'm like nervous or scared, or I don't think like, do I need another degree? <laughs> like, I don't think I'm, <laughs> yeah, qualified. And I'm like,
1: everyone on my team will. Um, I'm the first to admit. I usually start my conversations with recognizing I'm from a non-technical background, but then I just jump in and I ask the question. And so I think my piece of advice is, don't let that fear stop you from jumping in and asking questions. I mean, we we could talk about imposter syndrome all day long. We've all felt it, that it can be super terrifying. It can be overwhelming. Like, am I good enough to be here? Am I smart enough to be here? Man, I don't have an engineering degree. How can I be advising on software? You just have to accept it, hear it, and then push. You just have to push it aside. And you just have to jump in and trust your instinct and that skill set that you know that you have developed in whatever your career is, that financial aspect, that strategic aspect, that marketing aspect, those customer solution oriented viewpoints that you have, the problems might be unique to the industry, but the solutions are agnostic to industry. And so I think it's just jumping in, trusting your gut, taking that first step, and you're going to be fine.
0: Was there anyone in particular who maybe helped you get to this realization? Was there someone that you've worked with so far at Main Street who's been like a good mm-hmm. inspiration on you or maybe even outside of your company or in your family? Yeah, I think it's kind of
1: a combination. I I remember at some point in my life, someone telling me that you get the most from the five people you surround yourself with or something. And so I really strive to make sure that my circle of trusted advisors are, you, are super diverse. I have people that I still chat with from old positions, old bosses, new leadership team members here at Main Street. My The VP that hired me when I first joined is absolutely incredible. Her name is Lena, and she just fosters such an empathetic leadership style that allows you to just really feel at home immediately. Um, our CEO, Doug, is really similar. I think Main Street is a little unique in the fact we have a lot of female leadership And that's a true testament to our CEO's commitment to diversity across the board, especially in leadership roles. And so that also, you know, when you see people that look like you, it's also easier to feel at home, especially in a leadership role at a company. And so that's been helpful outside of Main Street specifically. I talked to friends across multiple industries because, again, the solutions are industry agnostic. And so I have friends that are in pharmaceuticals, that are in public service, that are teachers, that are civil engineers, and they're all facing the same type of issues. It's just how do you take that winning framework and bring into a solution that's specific to fintech? And it's just really important to surround yourself with people that know you and trust you and you trust their input and that can keep pushing you forward.
0: Mm, right. If you don't carefully kind of curate, right, and and you're in, if you're not intentional about the network or the people right that you're surrounded by then the environment will shape who you are instead and that can be kind of you know that can be dangerous or it could be you know like feel just harmful to one's you know identity or or future growth especially in in a career uh especially in one that moves you know as fast as fintech right because while good right it can sometimes be overwhelming and then things change so fast so you know i think that's so awesome though that you have a large amount of female leadership right at main street and also just a a leader who made you feel welcome right away but also had like that empathy because i do think that's like uh i write a lot about it in my (laughs) newsletter and we talk a lot about it on this podcast because it's like there's still so many people in the in this industry you know alone that the empathy aspect has to like click still and not in, not only in, in the organizations that we're in and the companies that we're at, but also the products and the products that we build, right? The, the design of it, the process of it. And at the end of the day, unless if women leadership or diverse leadership isn't there, then the products we build and the innovation we promise fail to serve the people it's intended to help, especially small business owners.
1: I'm just going to clap. I mean, <laughs> there is not a better summation than that.
0: Empathy right. is
1: its such the EQ side of the equation of like how you can be successful in your career is so underrated, but it's so necessary. And empathy is such a big part of that. And to have leaders that can model empathetic leadership that can still push you towards those wins as a company, but can understand at the same time what people are feeling and what... Their fears are if there's uncertainty or if there's doubt and then can help mitigate that and can get the buy in from the team, you're just going to continually to, you know, build that employee kind of buy in across the board. And you're just going to be a better company holistically with that.
0: Exactly, exactly. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you about you, but like when we were at money 2020, I do feel like I was starting to feel the momentum like shift in this direction of people understanding, being more understanding of that right. It's diversity in leadership, um, and you know, having female leadership is is not like just a nice to have, right? That maybe helps you along your your company's journey. It's genuinely one, a smart business decision, right? Like any okay. research will show and tell and tell you, right, that uh companies with more diverse leadership have better returns, better profits, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, so I do I I felt like at Money 2020 we were starting to see, you know, the shift and I think we're coming to a place where like, you know, it's tough cuz empathy can feel like oh, it's just this like emotional thing that sometimes we talk about but isn't really like a part of the foundation of what we're building and but I think we're start the industry's kind of starting to to get it and see it as something that is just as important as an algorithm discussion or an infrastructure discussion?
1: The ability to just put yourself in the shoes of your consumer, which at the end of the day is really what a base level of empathy is, right? But think about how much better your product could be designed, your customer experience could be designed. If from the beginning you put yourself in the same state and you can see the problem and you can feel the way in our case, that CEO is feeling, how they're feeling overwhelmed, how they don't understand the tax code. And if you can understand that and you can put yourself in their shoes, you can design a better product that enhances their customer experience that's ultimately solving those pain points and in a way that's connecting emotionally to your consumer. And I don't think there's anything better than if you can connect emotionally while you're also solving a a problem for somebody.
0: And I think it's so essential in the trends that we're seeing in the industry too, like another kind of like, I've been seeing it all year and, you know, in, in my own coverage, but like to just take the, the money 2020 event as an example, I do think that there's more discussion also around like actually personalizing to the specific niches that we're serving, right? Like back to the, we're not going to do the one size fits all thing anymore. Like the banks did a great job of that. Maybe we should try better <laughs> of, of that, um, especially when we have the technology to, to make these personalizations and that's what consumers want they actually want that and they're like willing to pay a premium for it Agreed. agree which is like so important and i sometimes i still think that message goes like over people's heads but it's a trend that i think we're going to continue to see and it's going to continue to develop especially as like younger generations gain more wealth and become the small business owner right Personalization
1: is a nice to have now. And I think as you've predicted, you're going to see it move into the must-have category. It takes a little longer to build up front, right? Because the mass blanket is so much easier to build. The personalization takes a little bit longer, but it's going to become the market standard. And if you're already personalizing, you're going to be best in class. And would you rather be best
0: in class or would you rather be market standard? Shit. Sometimes I wonder if I can swear on my own podcast, and I think I can. Um, <laughs> but that was awesome. I was like, "Mic drop. Should we just end it here? Um, anyways, so uh, kind of going into, I love to to round out these conversations with the on an aspirational note, kind of kind of looking into to the future. Um, <laughs> you know, as as we are seeing some of these these awesome shifts, but who is say, and I know it can be hard to pick one person, so you could pick multiple if you'd like. But I'm going to ask if there's one person in fintech who folks should follow or or pay attention to who's really positively shaping the future of our industry.
1: Yeah, so I think it's it's so funny. It kind of comes back to that personalization. And I think the other side of the personalization coin is community and how you're building a community that really connects authentically with your customer. And so, This is recent. I've been enamored with this person on LinkedIn and Instagram and social for the last two months. I've never met her, anything like that. Her name is Janine, I think it's Sway or Sua. And Mm -hmm. she is an expert in residence on community with Brex right now. But she is, man, she is a super connector everything she posts is energetic. It's positive. She is truly embodying the community side of founders and really leaning into understanding, connect them with solutions that solve their pain points. And so she kind of lives in the motto of like, always give more than you take. And I just, I love that. And her energy is infectious. And so I've just been loving all of her content recently.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, (laughs) shoot. Well, thank you for Opening up my uh, or adding to my list of potential podcast guests because Mm -hmm. uh, that she definitely sounds like someone to join. And that's actually pretty cool. I love I love when you like, I guess, meet in a way someone (laughs) online and then you kind of have this like you can connect to them so well. It's kind of the beauty of like it's like the positive side to social media, uh, especially in like our industry. When we're also remote and we're also over, all over the place, right? Like it can be, you know, like you said, like FinTech can feel like a cool kids club sometimes. But it gets like kind of almost like democratized in a way on, on social <laughs> yeah. when you find like the right people, right? To, to follow or, or check out their content or connect with. It's, it's pretty cool to see. It's like to have someone to admire, you know? Yes. <laughs> all right. So. One of my favorite questions to ask on the show and I ask all my guests on this show is if we need to be the change that we want to see, what change do you wish to see in fintech and how will you embody it?
1: Oh, gosh, I feel like there's
0: about 100 answers. (laughs) And the one I'm going to give
1: is completely a recency bias answer. I was reading a journal article like two days ago from Harvard Business Review and they were talking about how the better a leader is at giving recognition, the more engaged their employees are. And there were some astounding facts about like, I wrote it down. Um, nice. Because it's it's that crazy. <laughs> um, okay, here it is. Leaders who were rated in the bottom 10% per, for providing recognition had employees who only ranked in the 27th percentile of engagement. But those leaders that were ranked in the 10%, the highest 10% of giving recognition had employees ranked in the 70th percentile of engagement. Like that's such a big gap between 27th percentile and 70th. And the low hanging fruit there is just appreciating. It's telling somebody, hey, you've done a good job. And that has stuck with me for the last couple of days because saying, thank you, you're doing a great job. Hey, the way you handled the situation was fantastic is such low hanging fruit. Appreciation as a leader, it doesn't cost you anything extra as a business. And so I'm really going to make it a priority for not just my own team, but my broader organization, my broader circle to really just say, thank you. And I think if we could all, it kind of ties back to that empathy part, like the, yeah. the better we can be as leaders, the better our employees will be engaged, the better we can design a product And we can just have this whole empathetically driven change in fintech.
0: It's literally why I created what the fintech, right? And, and you're kind of to me also, I think that the, the empathy can be better understood through storytelling, right? When we can be honest and vulnerable and, and share, share moments of if we're, if we are anxious or be as, you know, open in communications as just a simple thank you or like, Hey, this was hard on me. I appreciate that you took the time and the space to like help me on this. Like some like sometimes I think we need to like just get rid of all the like corporate worky masks that we think we have to wear, right? And especially in fintech, like we're a disruptor industry. Like we can we can cut the BS and like just be honest, <laughs> right? And like you know, be honest when something is difficult or be honest when you need help and be honest when you feel certain things or ways or if you're like my mental health is at an all time low today, but I hope tomorrow it's better. Like, yeah, that's the kind of stuff we should be able to be honest at at, in our workplace. And so I love that. And and if we could be, then we would actually be able to write back to the connection with the consumer and build products that actually resonate with them. So you're really on to something.
1: (laughs) It's all tied together.
0: (laughs) I think we're I think we're on to something here. My 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 content thesis is really is really a. Uh, coming to fruition here in this in this conversation Um, well final question for you you've given a lot of gems and a lot of pieces of advice but I got to close it out with one more piece of advice you would give listeners here who maybe still feel like outsiders in the industry and still feel like they're not in the cool kids club right what how can they kind of form their own cool kids club
1: well outside of everything else we already talked about pushing that fear aside and just jumping in. Sometimes it can be as simple as utilizing the tools you have in front of you, like LinkedIn and social media, like follow people that are in the industry that are doing what you want to be doing. Reach out to them. If they're in your area, ask them if they want to grab coffee, go to a FinTech conference. You reference Money 2020. Man, you want to jump into FinTech? Show up at that <laughs> conference. Like You can talk, you can engage, you can see everything. So just get involved and have a conversation with somebody and start sussing out, like, how can I get to where I want to be?
0: Well said. I firmly believe that if we could all just communicate a bit more and a bit more openly and a bit better then not only our industry, but the world we live in would be a much more understanding and compassionate place. So I agree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Perfect answer to that question. Tracy, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Humans of Fintech. This has been such a treat. So many gems. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Nicole. It was my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. To hear our next story from another diverse leader, be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our show and give it a five-star rating as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging, too.